Well, hello, everybody. I'm Lynn Bramer. Welcome to the Linside podcast, addressing the problem of a shortage of podcasts in the world. <laughs> I have a very special guest, an old friend that we're going to talk to right now, Jason Narducci, who you may know from Split Single. You may know him from some of his old bands. You may know him from playing bass with uh, Bob Mould at the frequent Bob Mould concerts here in Chicago. You may have seen him play live at one of our opening day live broadcasts with his band Split Single. You may have seen him filling in as a bass player for Super Chunk. Uh, he's been everywhere. He's seen everything. And now he centers himself in Chicago with a new musical called Verboten, the musical. Welcome, Jason Narducci. Thank you, Len. Uh, as much as I've known about your career and followed it avidly, I knew nothing of Verboten mm -hmm. and the origins of this story that has become a musical until I was watching Sonic Highways on HBO with Dave Grohl, who told vividly an amazing story of coming to Chicago and meeting his cousin. Yes. And that begins the story of Verboten. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Verboten was my band when I was 11 years old. Uh, Zach was 12, Chris was 13, Tracy was 15. We were probably together for a year and a half, just four Evanston kids trying to play punk rock in Tracy's basement. We were very fortunate to get some good gigs. Tracy... Uh, was and is very charismatic, and so she befriended a lot of punk rock bands in Chicago, such as Naked Raygun and Rights of the Accused. And so we got some kind of amazing gigs at Cubby Bear. Cubby Bear used to be a dive, by the way. Now you think of Cubby Bear and you think of like a hundred TV screens and right. a sports bar, but back then it was there was no one there, and it was a dangerous neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> a perfect place for an eleven-year-old to play. Um, and then the band ended, and then. You know, we all stayed friends, um, even close friends, but n nothing really came up of it. And I started playing music with other bands and I had my own band and, you know, it wouldn't come up in interviews or anything. But then Dave Grohl, you know, was Tracy's cousin and he started to become incredibly famous and started to talk about the band. And that's where, you know, it started to come into people's awareness, I guess you would say. But um very, very kind of him to shine the spotlight on us on the Sonic Highways Chicago episode. Well, he, he tells the story so perfectly about coming to Chicago and visiting his cousin, who he seemed to not know all that well or hadn't seen her in a while. And uh, she came down the stairs uh, all punked up. She's dressed to rock and roll. And, you know, he kind of swivels his head and looks and... And she says, hey, you want to go see a show? We're going to go do a, a show and yeah. take him to the Cubby Bear. And he sees Naked Ray Gun, yeah. a famous Chicago band who has reunited uh, within the last couple of years uh, a couple of times with Jeff Pizzotti and takes you to the Cubby Bear. Uh, I mean, takes Dave Grohl to the Cubby Bear and it changes his life. I mean, that is the Dave Grohl moment that he forges a career in rock and roll, becomes a member of Nirvana, becomes the, the leader of Foo Fighters. And that's where you and Dave Grohl and Verboten come together. Now, I'm not the only one who learned about Verboten uh, through Sonic Highways. It was also the person that decided it might be a good idea to write a musical. Tell me about that guy. Yeah, so Brett Neveu is a playwright here in Chicago. He's a member of the Red Orchid Theater. 
and he also teaches at Northwestern University. <clears throat> Our daughters, or maybe his daughter and my son went to the same grade school five years ago in Evanston, Washington Elementary School. And we had met briefly through a PTA meeting that happened at, at my house, my wife hosted. Um, and then he saw the Sonic Highways and thought, wait, I, I want to write a play about this this band. So he reached out to my wife and got my contact information and invited me out uh, for a beer, which I, I rarely say no to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, pitched me on this whole idea. Now, the way he tells the story is that he presented it as, I'd like to write a musical where you write the music for this. On the first night, he, he remembers it that way. I don't remember it that way, and I but I think he's right, and I think I was just so intimidated and scared of that prospect that I just blocked it out completely and just kind of thought, well, you go write your play and we'll see how it how it looks. And then he sort of taps you on the shoulder and goes, now, remember, it's a musical and you're writing the music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, it took five years. I think the first year, um, Brett, uh, you know, he contacted the house theater. They were all in. And then I needed to turn in a, a few songs just to give them an idea of it. And... Um, that was probably, you know, month 12 or something. It really it was a long process. But, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think back. I mean, Tracy and I, she's, she's older than I am, but we went to this small private school in Evanston called Roycemore School, um, one that I couldn't afford, but my dad somehow coerced the the school to give us well maybe maybe he said you know uh my son's going to be a musician so <laughs> we're never going to have any money uh, maybe he could get a scholarship oh, don't you have a scholarship for future musicians who won't make any money yeah wait to hear about the money that's involved in theater <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, i'm well aware of the money that's involved in yeah. theater yeah. Uh, well but tracy um you know tracy had in seventh grade she had long hair she was very attractive and she was you know everybody loved her and then it, it was eighth grade for Tracy where she shaved her head. She got the bomber jacket, the safety pins in the in the jeans. And you have to understand in 1982, 83, when you dressed like that, that meant you got kicked out of stores. You, know, right, you walked right. into a retail place. I mean, it's funny to me because now Urban Outfitters sells that. You know, mm -hmm. now you, you, people are, you know, that's like the norm is to dress like that. But for Tracy, she she was the real deal. And so when Dave describes her coming down the stairs, I mean, that was my friend. That was the person I said, hey, will you, will you sing in our band, please? Well, she's, you know? she's clearly, it clearly was an early adopter because mm -hmm. I remember working in a record store and having a friend come in in the late 70s, uh, dressed in leather with safety pins here and there and you know you were going to be ostracized yeah. if you were associated with punk rock in any way and having started in radio at that time you know a program director at a corporate rock station uh, being turned on to a punk rock band whether it was talking heads or tom verlaine uh, the reaction was we we will never play this music yeah. and no radio station will ever play this music now you in a year to grocery stores now. Yeah, uh, it's it's so fun to look at pictures of Verboten <laughs> back when you were together because you kind of look like the cast of Stand by Me. <laughs> uh, just these young kids and kind of a trivial question, but it's been on my mind ever since I knew I was going to talk to you about this. What eleven year old names their band Verboten? Tracy named the band. Tracy Tracy came up with that, and I didn't learn until. A couple months ago, that 
that the umlauts over the O are incorrect. That is not the Germans. <laughs> we were just such big fans of Husker Du that it was like, well, punk bands do that, so just put the umlauts over the, over the O. <laughs> um, so Tracy came up with that name. I wrote the songs and the lyrics. There was one song that Tracy and I wrote the lyrics together, um, but everything else was what I came up with, which was supported and encouraged by those guys. I needed you know, my friends to say, Keep doing this, you know. What else do you have? Um, and uh, so it was, it was all four of us, for sure. Uh, and uh, what was the personality of the band like? It, clearly, Tracy seems to have been kind of the leader of the band, uh, the front person, the person that made phone calls and said, hey, we have a band, why don't you hire us? Well, what about the rest of Verboten? Zach was always uh, hilarious and impulsive. Zach would would be walking down the sidewalk and he'd do something crazy, and and you just you just shook your head. You go, I, I can't believe he just did that. But man, was that funny. Uh, Chris Chris was Chris probably embraced the music more than any of us. Chris probably went to he and Tracy went to the most punk rock shows. Um, Chris ended up being in a band called Natsat Rebel after Verboten, which was another Evanston punk rock band with Matt Deal, Matt Adele, Ben Pierce. And um, so he he had a, he, an incredible knowledge of the music. I think Chris Keene would, would be a great record producer. His, his ear is incredible. Um, he's married to Nora O'Connor. Nora O'Connor has uh, toured as a backup singer with the Decemberists and as a member of the Flat Five here in Chicago. Um, if they do a sequel to 20, uh, 20 uh, Feet from Stardom, uh, they have to have oh, Nora O'Connor yeah, in it. Iron and Wine, Andrew Bird, Nico Case, new pornographer is Jacob. When somebody, somebody really, really, really cool needs a backup singer, they call Nora O'Connor. And that is the bass player of Verboten's wife yeah. in this they live, strange they six, small six rock and roll world in evanston yeah it's really funny uh now you have to put together a band for the musical you have to put together the imaginary verboten mm -hmm. you have to tell the story now is this going to be based on a true story or is it uh uh true to life as you seem to recall it? it's fictitious characters based on real events so there's there's things in the play that happened um, but we let Brett, we encourage Brett to take liberties with it. It's, it's a different form of storytelling. You know, it's, this isn't a biopic. This isn't a documentary. It's a musical. You know, it's somebody paying money to walk into this theater and be entertained. Um, that said, I think there are things in the play that people will not believe are real. And I'll, I'll tell you one of them right now. This is a true story. Um, Tracy was adopted into a fairly conservative family in Evanston. And she had three older brothers that were all, you know, pleated pants, golf playing. And so her dad is in their kitchen. This is 1983, and he's reading the paper, and he's talking to a family member. I think it's his wife. And he says, have you heard of this musical act called The Dead Kennedys? <laughs> and she says, uh, yes, I've heard of them, and they've been to our house. <laughs> And, you know, he takes his reading glasses off and says, what? <laughs> and she says, Tracy brought them to the house. And the second time she brought them to the house, they went up to your country club, Westmoreland. They swam in the pool and they had lunch on your account. <laughs> 
And that's, so, that's Tracy. That's Tracy. You so know, somebody was, seeing the musicals, you know, well, this is a really nice embellishment, but that's not something that could have ever happened. I told Brett that story, and he's like, I could never write something that good. And I was like, well, I think we need to put it in. He's like, absolutely, we're putting this in. So there's things like that. You know, I think um, one of the, you know, we were talking, you were talking about Urban Outfitters and, and how you go to the grocery store and you hear punk rock. That was something when, when Brett first brought up this idea, I... I encouraged him to not try to tell an audience what punk rock right. was like in 1983. Uh, I thought there was a better story in why did four Evanston kids come together to play punk rock? What was going on at home? And a lot of that we we you know we we protected family members and and some family members are letting us roll with things. That really? Are, yeah, I mean, there's exaggerations. My you know uh, again, not not giving too much away, but in the play, the Jason character and the Jason's dad character come to fisticuffs. I've never used the word fisticuffs before, but there it just happened. Um, that never, that didn't happen. We, there was turmoil, there was right. tension, but it, it, it's exaggerated. So um, uh, I think that Brett did an incredible job of using humor and some darkness to tell this story about why why this happened. It's still interesting to me because I'll talk to, I'll go to a friend's class who's a teacher and, and talk to 12-year-olds about writing a song and playing music and then I'll look into their eyes and think, my first band broke up when I was your age. <laughs> you know? It's, uh, I mean, it's 37 years ago. It's, yeah. It's a long time yeah. Well, it, it was a, a year and a half that changed the rock and roll world in many wow. ways. Now, one of the ch challenging things is, okay, you've, you've got to put together uh, a bunch of, you know, young kids or youngish adults to become this band now. Yeah. Uh, what was it like trying to find people that could fulfill the role of, of being young musicians and being uh, rock and roll musicians on stage for a musical? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I they let me sit in on some of the auditions, and um, in fact, the first, the first round of auditions, I was in Europe with Bob Mould, and they were sending me names of people they were considering. And I remember the first time I got a list, I think it was four actors that were being considered for the Jason role. And this day and age, you can sort of play like spy and just go to their social media right, and see course. what they look like. And there was this this young man, uh, you know, 21 years old, uh, Kieran McCabe, who on his Instagram uh, posted a video of him playing guitar for his sister for her birthday and it was a, a disney song and i thought he just seems like the sweetest kid <laughs> like that's so how cool is that that he like posted this thing for her, her his sister on her birthday and it turns out you know he he got the role he's incredibly talented um you know the this has been a five-year process and the vain part of me has sort of been like good luck casting jason <laughs> and sure enough they found someone you know more talented better looking and nicer than me but um don't tell bob mold <laughs> <laughs> yeah i might i might lose my job um and then i, I mean I, I i don't want to exhaust you with all the stories about this but I, the hardest part was finding the, the Zach, the drummer, because uh -huh. it's already difficult to find good actors who can play music, but then it's good actors who can play music well, and then to take it even further, good actors who can play punk rock well. And uh, finding someone who could act, play the drums, 
and sing, that that took the longest. Yeah, and, well, and Jeff is doing an incredible job. The other thing is, if you talk to any longtime professional musicians, uh, just the challenge of finding a drummer yeah. of any kind <laughs> yeah. that uh, that doesn't inspire people to sit around and tell drummer jokes. Right. Which yeah. is a no, part it's, of our it's funny. Culture. There are those little like band things already that are like, oh, there's tendencies of different different people. But it's an incredible group. And and again to answer your question, I think that the house theater auditioned young people. I think there was a couple eleven year olds and twelve year olds and they were talented musically, but it's a matter of can 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 they carry a play for two hours from an acting standpoint? And, and can they quit school to do it? And that's yeah. all that. Yeah, that's like kind an incredible a... time commitment. And uh, so what they did is they went with early twenties who who look fifteen. And there are a lot of the, you know the older I get, the more of that I see. <laughs> twenty two year olds. He looks twelve. <laughs> he can't be twenty two. Well, before I you know get too far along here, I should mention. Verboten, the musical, will be uh, running Thursday through Sundays, uh, January 16th through March 8th. So depending on when you're listening to this, it you know starts tomorrow or it's already running at the House Theater, the House Theater taking over the Chopin Theater, 1543 West Division. I've been there. It's a lovely space. Tickets available at thehousetheater.com. It's Verboten, the musical, based on a true story, based on the true life story of the guy sitting across to me right now, Jason Narducci, an old friend of uh, WXRT and a longtime Chicago musician. Uh, the question I have is, when is Dave Grohl going to come see the uh, the inspiration for his entire career you based on not, a musical? You are not the first person to ask me that line. <laughs> um, we're not sure yet. Uh, we hope that he comes in and checks it out. Um, you know, that, I mean, talk about a guy that, uh, I mean, we wouldn't be here talking about this if it wasn't for the fact It's interesting. I, it's kind of was, was going to ask you about that. Would we be sitting here talking about Verboten the Musical? So. I mean, there was a really good documentary uh, released in 2009 called You Weren't There, which was about Chicago punk rock. And they, they included in, an interview with me and, and footage of Verboten. But just the, and they actually consulted with Dave on Sonic Highways. Uh, Joe Lacerdo and Chris Tillman were involved with with the process of, of the Chicago episode. Um, it's a funny story because Dave asked me to come in to uh, Steve Albini's studio, Electrical Audio, um, in January of 2014 to, to interview for this. And we talked for about 90 minutes. And as I'm leaving, I said, um, so who else are you talking to for the Chicago episode? And he said... Buddy guy, Steve Albini, Rick Nielsen. You know, he just kept on going. <laughs> and I, I got into my car and drove home, and I, I'm i not going to be in this thing. <laughs> I am so on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that was that was nice of him to invite me, but I'm not going to be in that event. Let's see. Buddy guy or Jason? <laughs> Rick Nielsen <laughs> yeah. or Jason? You know, we have a time some time constraints. Albini, uh, Albini's a good interview. You know, oh, he yeah. is. Uh, he, he fascinates me because... Of course, he's he's been in some of the most cutting edge bands in Chicago rock history, but he's also this deft producer that mm -hmm. can can do music like that. But he can also produce Robbie Folks yes. with pristine clarity and uh, and I'm more fascinated with the fact that Steve Albini. I think he still plays baseball, hardball. He's a baseball. He's aficionado. a big baseball fan. Yeah. Um, it's one thing being a fan; it's another thing being able to throw a hardball around. 
And he's also a diehard poker player. A, a poker yes. player you wouldn't want to play poker with. Oh, I've I've recorded at Electrical Audio and had to walk around that poker table to get to the studio. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. serious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a cool place for uh, Dave Grohl to, to do the interviews and everything Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. I think you, you just underestimated the role that Verboten played in changing the mindset of a young kid that would become a drummer in the band Nirvana and start Foo Fighters. It, uh, sometimes we don't know the effect we have on other people, mm-hmm. and I think this is one of those examples. Well, and it's certainly, I mean, you mentioned Robbie Falks. This, is, this play is such a Chicago story. My stepdad, um, who's represented in the play, there's a Jason stepdad character, uh, was an acoustic guitar player and a founding member of Special Consensus, which is a bluegrass band from Chicago. Wow. So when I was six or seven years old, I was going to uh, uh, Fitzgerald's to see Special Consensus. My stepdad, after a few years, left the band. Robbie Falks was one of the guitarists in Special Consensus years later. I mean, it's crazy, the small world thing. I've, I've been very fortunate to record with Robbie with Steve on on Robbie's most recent record, sixteen, um, yeah. So I mean, it's a it's interesting for me to be thinking about that time because of everything that's happened since then. There's a there's a picture of Verboten practicing in Tracy's basement, and um, this is in 1983. Tracy's wearing a Husker Du shirt. <laughs> and, and here I am, you know, however oh, many years later. Of, it's kind of eerie, isn't it? I'm working with Bob Mould. It's it is. It's it's pretty crazy. Well, I, I can't tell you how excited I am because uh, partially because I know the music scene in Chicago and partially because uh, I know how fascinating the entire story is uh, that I can't wait to get out there and can't wait see, to see you there. Verboten the musical. And uh, you don't have to go every night, do you? I'm not going to go every night, no. <laughs> I'll go when you go. Okay. It is definitely a day. Jason Narducci of Split Single. I should mention Split Single working on a new working album. Working on a new record. Uh, John Worcester on drums. Mike Mills from R.E.M. on bass. Um, they've finished their parts of it. I'm about 90% done with guitars and then going to get the vocals on there and mix it and hopefully have it out later this year. Sometime in the spring, maybe? Spring or summer? I, I don't want to put a deadline on you. Your eyes kind of glazed <laughs> yeah, over when I said that. Like, I'm a little hey, overwhelmed wait a with. Hey, wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> Working on a musical. Back <laughs> off with the whole album coming out. Well, that's something to look forward to as well, Jason. As always, a pleasure to see you, and thank you for joining us on Linside the podcast. Jason Narducci, Verboten the musical Thursdays through Sundays, January 16th through March 8th at the House Theater, which is taking over the Chopin Theater at 1543 West Division. Tickets at thehousetheater.com. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Lynn. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.